If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. Today, I have my good friend Andrew Ramondi back on the podcast as we talk about the NBA draft. We review all the things that are going on um, with kind of the breakdown of all the teams that we thought did well in the draft, some of the players that we're excited about seeing in the upcoming NBA season. And then we also do a little bit of a preview for free agency, which starts next week, June 30th, I believe. So the end of this week, early next week. So we're really excited about that. And we kind of break down all the major free agency players and where we think they're headed off to. So, Andrew, welcome back onto the podcast. Thanks, Kevin, for having <clears throat> for having me. Um, you know, our last podcast we were talking kind of, we were on the phone talking about uh, the finals and the Anthony Davis trade. And those things were fun to talk about for sure, but... Like, I'm excited at the draft and the free agency. Like, it's it's an exciting time. I was actually talking. I was at a barbecue on Saturday with some of my friends, and we were just talking about whatever. But then they were talk mentioning sports because, like, I'm not a huge baseball fan. I've been a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers kind of on and off since I was, like, probably, like, 13 or so. With Prince Fielder, you? Yeah, you uh, the year that? they traded for CC Sabathia was the first year I, okay, I started got it, to got like it. them. But um, you knew you know that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like, yeah, I I've did. worn a my Ryan Braun jersey <laughs> yep. before. Um, it's always good. Eh, I whatever. Let's not go <laughs> too much of a detour down that lane. But I, it's been a while since I've really followed them, and they're like, "Are you gonna get into the Brewers now that the NBA season's over?" And I was kind of like, "The NBA is such a." And we've talked about this, but like beyond like the NBA is a twenty twelve year month year sport now. Like it is just as fun in some ways as as the regular season. Like it's a different thing, but yeah, it's just as fun to follow. So mm -hmm. I'm <clears throat> and especially because the AD trade, like we had talked about that for so long. And there are things in this episode that like we've been talking about for a long time too, like Kevin Durant's free agency and stuff like that. But there is like more of an un eh. Now, there was an unpredictability to the season, too, but it's a different kind of fun, and it's it's something I am I enjoy talking about, and I'm definitely excited to talk about with you. Yeah, totally. So, I guess let's just get into it and talk about the NBA draft, and, I mean, I was watching it, <laughs> so, so I have a funny story, actually, before okay. we even get into the NBA draft, and, like, why I was getting upset last week about potentially missing watching it, so... Last week, my parents have a beach house, and they went to go visit down there, and they text me this, like, message of them <laughs> being super anxious and saying, hey, Kevin, we need you to drive down basically an hour and a half away at, right after work because we think we left uh, the door unlocked. And I'm texting Andrew this during the middle of work, and it's just kind of like this sitcom, basically. And... Like, the reason why they went to go down to check on the beach house was because their fridge was, like, on the fritz, basically. And, like, they realized it was this giant mozzarella <laughs> box that was, like, 
mozzarella cheese sticks box that was blocking from blocking the freezer door from closing. So they're like, yeah, all you had to do was move it and adjust it in some way. So they're checking on that. And then was that their fault or your fault? That was Bob? my fault. Okay, that was so my fault. You kind of deserved to have right, right. to go down. Given so, that, but. so I was summoned to possibly go down because they couldn't go back down because they're already on a flight to Florida, yeah. um, to Orlando. So I'm about to go down. And then one of my parents, uh, my mom ended up calling uh, one of the neighbors down there, and they checked on the door, and it was locked. So thankfully, I didn't have to yeah, make that an hour have been and a half a trip. Nightmare. So I was able to enjoy watching the NBA draft from the comforts of my own home. Um, and yeah, I I don't know. Like obviously, the first three picks went pretty expected. It was just like like we already knew what was going to happen with that, and then. Pick four was kind of where the draft or the unpredictability so, of the yeah. draft really started. So I wanted to ask you kind of for your characterization of that, because obviously now we're after the draft. We know everything that happened. But I, simultaneously as the draft was going on, had to go to kind of a summer job work function where I couldn't watch it. Um, so it's funny. You text me like maybe 20 minutes into the draft. Like it's like say it started at 7 30 it's like 7 15 you're like wow so many trades i can't even keep up and i texted you back like i literally haven't even gotten a chance to like look at my phone or anything so obviously you had you had uh kind of stuff like the the hawks trading up to number four you know you had the t wolves trading up to six to get jared culver um yeah, that was really oh and then those were the two i guess that's probably when you had texted me yeah those were like those the two were big, the two big yeah. there was a lot of other trades like especially as you get into the early second round and this happens often but it felt like just the number of transactions compared to last year especially there there were a lot you also had the tj warren trade happen on the on the day of the draft which right. was kind of an interesting move in and of itself from from a lot of perspectives mm -hmm. you had those like celtic sixers uh trades going on later anyways before we maybe get into specific picks because i do have some thoughts on the hawks and the, and the pels maybe the t wolves a little bit specific i'd kind of like to maybe just go through like you said the top three mm -hmm. who cares like not that i mean it's cool like congratulations everything happens for making that we league, thought yeah. could happen like you know uh seeing zion i didn't see it live but seeing zion's kind of emotions and like mm -hmm. his talking about his mom and to his mom like i really did think that was a great moment i was certainly touched by that he seems like a really just you know whatever i don't think sports stars have to be humble but he definitely did show like a legitimate humility that i thought was very touching personally yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was nice i thought the rj Barrett yeah that was moment cool was too. nice too where his dad was just like i'm proud of you and all that type of stuff yeah so that was really cool to see steve nash tweeting like my godson is about to get drafted and he's he was saying how he was telling everyone that was around him that his godson was getting drafted so that was kind of cool um in general and yeah i think the draft really started at four yeah. and like but uh, what I was going to ask was, oh, in yeah, the yeah. moment, how were you, were you like, whoa, this is crazy? Were you like, what, like, kind of watching it live? What were your, since I didn't really get to kind of I mean, I feel what that was like when the trades were actually coming in, in the moment, kind of so what, what was I it feeling like? 
Yeah, I think watching it live, I was kind of perplexed as to why New Orleans would do it in terms of like, oh, why are they doing this? And then like the trade details of it came out when they they said that they were getting off of Solomon Hill's contract. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I can see why they did that. And then they ended up with Jackson Hayes at number eight when they traded down, um, traded down to number eight um, to from four. And I was like the Jackson Hayes pick kind of was with him being a front court partner with Zion in mind. And it's not that I hated the pick or anything. Like I, I didn't really like it. I yeah. was interested in seeing what you thought about it because I don't really think it makes it. I, I do get it. But uh, I don't really like it either, so I'll I won't step on you. But I'll just no, jump no. in to say I was gonna say I don't really like that pick very much either. Not I have not that many thoughts about Jackson Hayes, but like from a philosophical standpoint, I have some thoughts on it. It kind of yeah. ties into one of our most recent. If you'll just let me run with it, no, for no, a go second. ahead, go ahead. Kind of we've talked about this idea of the modern NBA center and like. What does it mean to kind of like what what should the value you spend versus the value you're receiving be? So I'll start with this. Like one Zion Williamson, we don't know how much center he's gonna be play in the NBA. That's been a subject of like much debate. You know, will he eventually close games at center a la like a Draymond Green type or something like that? Will he ever play like the majority of his minutes at center in the NBA? I would I would doubt it, but I think it's possible that he'll close games at center. So that's one thing that's interesting. But even beyond that, if you want a front court, if you want a, a front court partner for him, like I think you can get one fairly easily. I don't think spending the eighth pick on it is, is particularly worthwhile especially when like when you think about what Jackson Hayes could be I don't know very much about him but what I've been told or what I've heard is the high end is like a Clint Capella type like rim runner play rim runner play very good defense Mm -hmm. but at that point like would you rather take the eighth pick getting that when you can maybe get a free agent who does that like yeah 60 percent as well fairly easy easily I would take a chance on you know uh uh, a Cam Reddish or like even someone like a Demboya, that guy the Pistons drafted. I know people like him. Give me, I'd rather be trying to take as many, especially so when you think about who else is around him right now. We have Ball, okay. We have Drew Holiday, okay. We have Ingram, okay. We don't have many shooters really at right. that point. I'd be looking for a wing. I'd be rather taking my chance of, on a wing who that can maybe shoot that has like a 60% chance of panning out versus like a center who has a lower floor but a higher floor but a lower ceiling that yeah. w- that was kind of my thought on it so yeah, i don't know no, if you felt so i, I kind of had that so you brought up Cam Reddish's name and i thought during the broadcast it was pretty interesting how Zion was like praised for being this great teammate because of his relationship with RJ Barrett and then I just felt bad for Cam Reddish yeah. because he was like the odd banana yeah. in that like threesome in terms of like yeah they talked about Cam, um um RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson and how they're great friends and then Cam Reddish is like <laughs> on the they side like pan to him yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. like and like he got left out of that friendship basically so it's kind of funny and um I don't know like I think um I was listening to Nate Duncan's podcast about like previewing the draft and them talking about Cam Reddish and his stats and like him being a 
pretty bad shooter and yeah. like all the advanced metrics are against him. Yes. All that type of stuff. But even then, don't you just kind of roll the dice and take t- like he's an intriguing player and he was in a unique situation with Barrett and Williamson getting a majority of the ball. I, I, I don't know. Like he has like the prototypical size that you would want in yeah. a wing player can it's not that his shot is like completely broken or anything like that. So he provides some type of intrigue of potential that you would like to see from like this modern three and D type of player. And I would have liked to see him and, and Atlanta seems like they made out pretty well with getting him and Deandre Hunter. And I, I think we kind of exchanged texts after the draft and we were like, wow, we're kind of excited about this Atlanta team where this young core can kind of grow together. And I mean, as a, as a Terps fan, like you have three, I mean, two and a half guys, because I don't know if you count Alex. Well, did you, I don't know if you saw, I actually tweeted after the, after the NBA, after the draft ended. um, And I tweeted like, I'm not a big like, oh, I have a second team or I have like an East team type okay, thing. Yeah. But like if I were going to choose one, I like as much as like any other team ever, like I've I enjoy like am excited for the Hawks and feel like they're a team I could root for. I've been a Trey Young guy kind of from from the jump here, uh, even when he was shooting like twenty percent to start the season from <laughs> yeah. three and stuff like that. I kind of believed it in his uh, ability and so not to say like he'll be, you know, whatever an all NBA guard or something. I, I don't know if that's the case, but I enjoy watching him, his style of play and believed in him. I know they just have this kind of intriguing collection of young talent. And plus now two Terps, you have Herder. And so in my tweet, I said, and ter- two Terps, ter- wow, this is a tongue twister, <laughs> and two Terps to boot. And my friend Ryan Lander uh, replied to me saying, "What about Alex Len?" And I was like, <laughs> f- "I texted him like, fuck you, man." Like, <laughs> well, Alex I Len is from pre me being there. I think he was drafted in 2012 or right, right. 2011. I think he was drafted the same year as CJ McCollum. I'm not completely sure. But yeah, yeah. I think he was. Eh, like he might have been the year before, actually. But mm-hmm. w- whatever. But um. Anyway, I don't really consider. I have no appreciation for Alex Len whatsoever. Like, I hope he does well, but I don't. Cause that's like me being like, "Oh, and I hope Steve Blake has a good coaching career." Like, <laughs> I get some people would do that and feel like kinship, but I don't. Going for the rest of my life, sure, but it's yeah. not like retroactive for me. Anyway, beyond that, yes, I'm. I'm. Ha- I'm excited for this Atlantic team. I'm intrigued for their collection of young talent. The one thing I did want to say is it is interesting. So, Atlanta, when you think about what they got, like, and I agree with you on the reddish stuff. I just wanted to echo that and drive home the point. Like, I'm not saying, because I didn't, it didn't even have to be reddish for me. It could have been Tyler Harrow. I don't really care. Yeah. The point I was really trying to just make was, like, that idea of, like, the value you're getting positionally and that, like, to spe- it's like drafting a running back in the top 10 in the NFL at this point. Like, I don't know if it's a complete right. parallel, but I feel like we're getting there. Like, unless you think this guy can be, like, t- a top 10 player at his position, mm-hmm. like, at center, 
I don't think it's worth spending a top 10 pick on, on it on a center, basically, at this point, especially given that Zion Williamson will probably be playing some center minutes at the very least down the road. Mm-hmm. So anyway, to turn to the Atlantic side of the Atlanta side of things. So they got four for eight, 17 and 35. And so then you and then you have Solomon Hill coming back. I mean, Atlanta, when you think about it, though, like Atlanta did give up a decent amount. Like basically they mm-hmm. gave up two firsts, a second, and then like taking on Solomon Hill's contract is like I would say like two seconds worth of value. Yeah. And that's a lot. And uh, um so true. the point I wanted to make is like in Hunter and Barrett, there's no guaranteed star there. You know what I mean? Oh, like in Hunter there's and Reddish, no even yeah, yeah. Hunter and Reddish, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to say Barrett. That might have been confusing. I got my Dukes confused. But um you know, Hunter will be. It'll be interesting to see what he's like in the NBA. I, I feel decent about him, like compared to the other guys in his, you know, tier, so to speak. Like, it's interesting. We've never both said like how we feel about Barrett. I think I'm a bit of a Barrett optimist. It's interesting here, like the if you listen to the Dunked On guys, like some people kind of like not like him. Uh-huh. I'd be interested to see what he'll like. He almost reminds me of like Tatum or something like that, where I want to see him kind of with the ball in his hands and what his efficiency is like. But anyway, I think Barrett's as good as anyone else in his tier, but I do don't like his star potential. I'm not, I'm not quite sure of. And then Reddish, we've detailed his flaws and stuff like that. Right. S- but, what I am excited to see, so like from that perspective, they did give up a lot for like what could be like at its highest, like two solid starters, mm-hmm. and at its worst, like maybe two busts. I don't know, but you know, it is kind of interesting to think about that there, as opposed to like maybe when you're that young, you want more bites at the apple, as opposed to kind of cashing in your chips there right and i mean they were able to get bruno fernando also but i don't think bruno fernando is more than like a good bench player probably yeah. but anyway given that just to i just wanted to kind of talk about the other side of that but given that like it's just an interesting team to kind of watch the question that i think is interesting is like the way that team is formulated for the, it to work long term mm-hmm. you really need trey young to do a lot you don't necessarily have a second guy who like can, can score create, yeah. yeah like reddish you would kind of hope becomes that guy but like herders not going to be doing much off the dribble hunter's not going to be create. he has a little bit of a post-up game like a nice little yeah, inside yeah. out game and collins is going to be more of like a you know picket lob guy yeah. stuff like that and mm-hmm. maybe shoot a little bit but um it'll be it, to watch that team this year like they won't be good but to kind of watch how that team goes comes together and especially how Trey Young drives that offense now like it's going to be a lot of f- fun to watch like at the very least it'll kind of be a fascinating yeah, yeah. team I, i'm totally there with you on the f- like Atlanta Hawks being a super like fascinating like league pass type of team that'll be and i think that's like the sentiment around yeah. like nba twitter talk and all that type of stuff but I think the on the flip side of things, on the other side of the trade, like New Orleans has kind like from where they were two weeks ago with like them dealing with the Anthony yeah. Davis stuff to where they are now, it's like a fresh start. Yeah, and, for sure. It's we didn't even mention like that they have cap space now. They have like close to. Ma- I don't think they're signing a max guy, but like they have cap room. They have like almost 
twenty, probably seven million right, right. cap and room it, or and something it's like, like that. It's somewhat intriguing. It's like an intriguing situation now. Yeah. I don't know if they get rid of Drew Holiday um coming up because he's like the only veteran and maybe he wants to go to a winning type of situation, but they have a lot of intriguing young pieces. It it seems like everyone's kind of panning Zion as like this generational type of talent that is can't miss. But the other guys they got in the that Anthony Davis um trade like Lonzo Ingram, we don't know what they're going to be. Jackson Hayes, we have literally no idea what he's going to be. But they did, like, David Griffin did some really nice things in terms of getting, extracting the amount of value that he was able to do. And then also in that draft day trade, be able to get rid of Solomon Hill's uh, contract. So he's just been able to acquire the assets that um, are super valuable. And he's done, like, a really, really nice job um, turning that team around. And hopefully, like, I hope for their sake, Zion turns out to be one of these amazing players so that, like, all the stuff that Anthony Davis kind of pulled was, is, like, vindicated in that they they can kind of point to, like, if we do things right, like, look at our situation yeah. and see what happened. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the one thing I will say to give Anthony Davis some credit. Like, it's a different front office and stuff. It almost took, you could argue it took him leaving for, like, Gail Benson and ownership to be like, oh, fuck, we should, like, hire a competent front office and, like, <laughs> care about this team. Like, don't you think that is no, true no, no, to no, some no. extent? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. just uh, not to completely undercut your point, no, because I yeah. agree with you, like, mm -hmm. it would be, of course, yes, I agree with you 100%, like, to watch them flourish and bounce back as opposed to, like, being stuck in the mire, like, obviously you do want that. But I do think they did fail in putting a good team around Anthony Davis and that, you know, you have to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. As much as we both, I know, hate how it went down, like, yep. you know, it's not like he walked away from... Totally. And, th and then let's, like, kind of move on and talk yeah. about the other other players like Darius Garland the, he was mocked a lot at number four and yeah being like this the fourth best player off of five games of college tape and I, you could take that for what it is and now maybe it gives credence to like that idea of since there's so much mystery surrounding a player it kind of actually raises their value because you, he's like an unknown quantity like let's say someone like Cam Reddish who got like a lot of crap thrown his way this season Let's say he got hurt five games into the season. People would be intrigued by his height and his, like, ability to space out the floor, all those types of things. So Garland's kind of this unknown that we don't really know what to expect. Like, a lot of people are actually uh, comparing him on the high end of things to your guy, Dam Damian Lillard. And that's, in the in the modern NBA, something someone that you would love to have obviously but and then it's it's just like an intriguing fit with him and colin sexton next to each yeah, other if like it's you texted me saying blazers east yeah like well that that's they're going for kind of a right, dame right. cj type thing which is interesting but you know it's kind of one of those things and i'm just parroting points i've heard on other podcasts but like if you think that's the guy, whether they fit or not, like you're not going to be good next year anyway. <laughs> yeah. So who cares? 
you can try and figure it out. And like, if they're both good and don't fit together, who ca- like you can trade one of them. Mm-hmm. Like as to the Dame CJ thing, I think it'll be interesting. Um, it helps if both of them can shoot. And uh, Garland, like the indication is that it'll be a pretty good shooter. And uh, as we know, uh, Sexton started to pick it up next year. We'll see if that it wasn't on a whole lot of shot attempts, but he was shooting like 40% from for like the last few months of the season. So, you know, if they can both shoot, like it probably can work defensively. It'll be a pro like you want to talk about Damon CJ, like none, none of those guys are even as big as CJ McCollum is and CJ yep. McCollum's undersized for the two. And Colin Sexton was like one of the worst defensive players like in history, basically last year. So I think they're going to be getting a lot of points scored on them, uh-huh. but it'll be an interesting, intriguing experiment. I think it can work. Um, it's also been said about beeline system. Like he likes to have multiple guys who can handle the ball and you shoot know, it. The yeah. fact that they can both maybe take a little bit of prep, like neither of them have to necessarily, like they'll have to do the dance of figuring out who gets what, when, but you know, neither of them have the burden of having to, you know, completely run the offense. So it's, it's, I compared to, given what else was there, like I kind of admire, I, like I say, good on you to the Cavs for like, if that's your guy, like, or like just the best go player get, you think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If that's the best, that's what I'm saying. If he's the best player available for you, like, just there's no, <laughs> yeah, like we've seen time and time again, people, teams fuck up by not, you know, by, kind of drafting for need when you're too far out to you know really be thinking about stuff like that so i i was i was a fan of that what i was what did you make of the the t wolves kind of sons thing so i I thought that was one i was a little as i look back on it i am kind of a little perplexed on both sides yeah so the the deal for that trade so and this is what i was going to get get into um, so Phoenix ended up trading number six to get number 11 and Dario Saric. And a lot of people were hammering Phoenix, um, for doing that deal, especially with their point guard problems and all the, th- all the things like they literally have all the young talent that they can have in other spots pretty much except for point guard and Kobe White, who was sitting there for them. Like at and he was eventually taken at number seven by the Chicago Bulls. Was the guy that was sitting there, and a lot of like NBA insiders slash Twitter guys were just like hammering Phoenix for not taking Kobe White at number six and filling that point guard void. And yeah, I don't know if I love the deal for Phoenix. And then they kind of compound the move by taking this guy, Cam Johnson, who for UNC is a good, he was a good shooter, 6'8 guy, really lengthy, can shoot the ball from probably one of the best shooters in the co- in college basketball last year. Like a lot of people were hammering, him, hammering them for taking him at number 11 when people were making the joke they could have traded down like three times and still picked him. So I don't know if the process in itself was correct in terms of them going out and getting a guy like that. But, like, it's one of those things that it's – I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of split on this because, like, he has this elite – I don't know if you want to count it elite, but he has this skill that he can shoot from the outside where that's where, like, a lot of NBA teams are really valuing – 
this aspect of shooting. I don't know if he can really dribble. And then there's all this medical stuff that come came out about his hips and things like that. So I like that he can shoot the ball, but a lot of people were ranking him um, fairly low. In I the mean, Nasir Little, boards. who went to my Blazers at 25, not to jump. We don't have to talk about that yet. But, like, it was not a given that he was going to go before Nasir Little. Right, know? right. So. Yeah, and I, I think it, it points to a larger question in terms of, like, and I think a couple different people have talked about this point of, is this is this whole NBA draft mock draft type of like season pollute or kind of infiltrate the ideas of all these NBA GMs into ha- making the I guess making choices and getting hammered for the choices that they make because like everyone's kind of come to this collective uh like decision that these are the good players these are the players that are ranked middle of the road and these players aren't like considered first round talents and if you kind of buck that trend then you get hammered for it because like all these draft experts that are getting uh, a ton of money from ESPN or Sports Illustrated or and all these different websites um, believe like these are how these players should be valued. Yeah, and I don't know if I really buy it because I think time vindicates everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if it's I think you shouldn't if, if I'm an NBA GM, uh I that stuff may be a resource to you, but I want to believe in my scouts and my oh, yeah, totally. own talent evaluation. Like I want to do that separately and if I get hammered like it doesn't matter. Because I should be confident in my, you know Abilities, what I mean. Yeah. I should be confident that it's, you know, a good that I'm making a good pick and that I think that my player is, you know what I mean. Like I, I don't think like the NBA. We have co- you do make a good point. We've come a long way since like the Chad Ford days. Like yeah, what happened to Chad Ford? By yeah, the way, I don't know what happened. Is he, he may be dead, honestly. But like we've come just like I feel like the Draft Express, like Givoni, kind of that crew. Yeah, of Mike people. Schmitz now. Yeah, you like ha- you know, it's closer to kind of what the NFL is, sure. But like at the end of the day, we're just people talking about it. They're just people talking about it, and the GMs are people talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think you should have that. I think that shouldn't necessarily filter into what you're doing. What I do think is interesting about like the Suns thing that I wanted to point out, like or even with the Timberwolves, I do think you should dr- like what you deserve to get shit for is like if you're not and we've talked about this before like if there's not any sort of internal coherence to what you're doing and i mm-hmm. thought that was kind of popping up with yeah. the, with the sons i don't think they have to take kobe white either i want to answer that, that i wanted to make that a point like if you think you're getting like terry rosier in free agency or like d'angelo russell which is something i actually wanted to mention with the sons because i thought moves they did made no sense they were like a rumored russell suitor and but like if you're like no we don't think kobe white is that good and we think we can get a more effective point guard in free agency fine um but i there should be some coherence and like so they get off tj warren's money basically and they opened up like basically i think a max cap space and then you take on sarich and then you later take on baines yeah, and it's they got like they were out of max cap room by that point, like, and it's just a little bit. Maybe that's not what they wanted to do, but it's just like, 
it seems like all these moves in isolation that don't really add up. And then you take Cam Johnson, and you think, and uh, this is something someone else brought up, but, like, now they're very, they like, you can see the theory, like, we're just going to stockpile forwards, I guess. You now have yeah. Bridges, you have Johnson, you have Ubre possibly, Sarich plays the four. Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. I was going to bring up Josh Jackson. He's apparently, like, on the outs. But this is also sometimes what happens when you have so much front office turnover, like, it's like, well, now James Jones coming in, and I want to get my guys. Like, yeah. fuck, the, fuck the other guys, you know what I mean? Like, and it's tough, you know what I mean? You end up kind of going over the top of, mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of gain that momentum going where you have some sort of coherence. So that's that's kind of the fault from, that's kind of what I would more hammer them for as opposed to, dra- I just don't have enough of thoughts on Johnson to, like, really say. Right. Like, would he have been my preferred forward there? Probably not. But, you know, I didn't really get it from the from the I wanted to say I feel like something that's under I didn't really get it from the T-Wolves perspective either, Mm. unless you think you're going to trade Wiggins soon. But even then, I'm not a huge fan of Culver as a prospect. Like, I just don't get what he does Mm -hmm. at an elite level right now. Yeah. To, you know, like. I think there's like that void that they feel like they have at the sh- at the two, and maybe he fills that. But I don't know. Like a lot of a lot of people are a lot higher on Culver because of like I think the exposure that he got from the national championship game and that run that they made uh, Texas Tech made to the championship game, and maybe that's what they feel um, like is going to propel them forward. And I guess there's a lot of questions with that team in terms of what their future is going to be, especially with Wiggins and, like, the whether or not... And he's been this, like, super divisive um, player for Minnesota in terms of, like, showing out his first year and then not really improving the past couple years. So that's somewhat disappointing from a Minnesota fan's perspective. But, I, I mean, there's... Like, other than that, there wasn't, like, much that I was, like, completely shocked with. Like, a couple of my friends um, that are Washington fans uh, took, like, they were upset that they didn't take Cam Reddish over Rui Hachimara. Um, Yeah, I would have been, too, honestly. And I was like, yeah, but what do you expect from the Washington Wizards at this point? And I I will not be picking them fifth. (laughs) Uh, I forgot about that during the preseason so that definitely will not be happening in the future but other than that so yeah I think we can kind of like I'm looking at like the next 10 and it's just like yeah eh, who cares other than that all I wanted to get down to was like what your thoughts were when the Blazers took Nasir Little and then for me like the Nets ended up trading their first round pick and it's all in a move to kind of create cap space. And I think you saw a lot of other teams do this to kind of open up space, uh, trade their first round picks, yeah. acquire some second round picks so they can, those are minimum contracts under under the salary cap and really open up space for free agency so that they can be uh, huge players in that. So what do you think about Nasir Little? And then I could give my thoughts on uh, Claxton and I think, I forget who the second round pick was. 
um, for the Nets. I'm trying to think. Jalen Hands? Yeah, Jalen Hands, who's like a point guard for from UCLA. I mean, like, the Nets really needed a big man, and I was like happy that they took someone like Claxton. I kind of wanted Bull Bull. Yeah, do we like, want to mention Bull Bull? I guess he's the flip side, what you said about that getting injured and there being intrigue about you. Is yeah. it just the stigma of being a big man? Like, well, that yeah. it's different yeah, when you're a big like man, seven, basically? Yeah, he's like 17. He lost like 20 pounds. Like, they don't know if he actually likes basketball or not. Right, right. It's never a great sign. it was kind of sad to like see him in the green room, like <laughs> just sitting there. In that spider outfit yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, now it was. But, you know, uh, the one thing I am surprised about, I didn't want to, mm-hmm. like, I'm just surprised at that point, like when you get to like the second round, especially, like, especially when you get past like pick, like, when did he end up going though? 44? Like, 44th. Yeah. I mean, once you get past like, 40 don't you want to like even Swing if there's the a five percent chance like he could be a you star, know what i yeah. mean given how much higher his ceiling would appear to be than the rest of those second round guys like i'm just not as surprised it took someone that long to like go for it mm-hmm. by the time you pass a certain point so i was surprised by that and like good on denver for just like now they have like him and Porter can Porter Jr. can be like the yeah the all potential team yeah kind exactly of thing. Yeah, yeah yeah so the kind of team within the team which is interesting I wonder if he'll come out in his Spider-Man type suit maybe like when he's injured and like <laughs> he'll be dressed on the that'd be on pretty the bench cool like that. I, yeah. I'd be down for that but I didn't mean to cut you off so you you wanted them to take a big man I mentioned to you I was like oh, I didn't see them drafting like a project uh type behind Allen but then you kind of I thought made made a pretty coherent like argument. They for have it. no they have no one behind yeah. them. So like and you kind of saw like in the playoffs and not that like I expected No Ed Davis slander, please. Right. I, I just didn't like I there was no one behind Allen and Allen can't really stay on the floor for much longer yeah. than like twenty to twenty five minutes. Yeah. So we know Allen's limitations. So they needed a guy that was like a defensive specialist type of guy, and that's kind of what they got in Claxton. I wonder if Hands actually makes the team or not. We'll see. Um, maybe as a backup point guard, but like they're kind of set there, especially if Kyrie Irving comes, and maybe you know you got Spencer Dinwiddie handling the ball, Karis LeVert. So like I. I mean, like, Hands is, like, a second rounder that who knows what, what he becomes. Yeah. Um. On the other hand, for Little, what are your thoughts on him? Because I think he has this, like, intriguing um, potential for the Blazers, especially as they kind of pivot, like, into free agency, especially with, like, a lot of uncertainty. Today there was that trade um, with Evan Turner, and um, the Blazers ended up getting Kent Bazemore. So, like... I think it was pretty clear as to what, the, like, what drafting Nasir Little kind of is signaling for this Blazers team. Yeah, honestly, not to do another thing where I kind of, like, reject the premise of your question, but okay. I don't think it's necessarily signaling anything. Mm. Um, because this is very in the vein of what Neil O'Shea has done. I sent you that tweet that, like, the last player they drafted who started a game in college was Caleb Swanigan. Um, who's no longer on the team. <laughs> yep. But, like, Zach Collins, like, really didn't 
play much. Like they're just drafting what they're what he's doing, and you have to give him credit. Like say what you want about his like actual ability to like what he did in the summer of sixteen, and like his ability to maybe do free agency stuff after that. But he does have a smart um view towards like the fringes. I feel like, and he comes like it's like that with drafting talent too, like Collins. Um, uh, Gary Trent, uh, Anthony Simons. Gary Trent kind of doesn't follow as much, but these are the first round picks: Collins, Anthony Simons, and now, um, and then Nasir Little. It's like we're just gonna take guys who like, like the point I almost made about Bull Bull. Like we'll take the guy who has like a very small chance, but a chance of being like a majorly in fact impactful player because we know we can bring them around slowly. We know our player development is good. So with little, like you said, it's he comes in with a lot of athleticism, hopefully some good defensive ability. He apparently struggled to fit into whatever team defense concepts UNC had. But as an individual as an individual defender, he should be he should be better than your average rookie um and he basically can't shoot and um he has a good stroke from the line uh, his shot isn't broken like maybe that comes along but the point i made to you while we were eating dinner is like alfred gamino and mo harkless can't shoot either so you know what i said to you at the time was like well maybe he gives them another option if like they want to move on for and well now i think baysmore signals that as well if you want to go fully into the baysmore yeah, yeah. Now maybe we can go back, circle back around to it at the end. But like they just have options at the wing now if they want to either let Aminu walk or like trade Mo Harkless or something like that. But mm-hmm. like in terms of like, does this bode something for like their f- current? Like I think it says more about their long term future and like the idea of we have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They're not leaving anytime soon. What we need to be doing is like having these guys in the background who maybe can come along. And they've been good at doing that. I mean, like, Pat Connaughton, like, although none of them have been, like, incredible necessarily. They've been, like... Pat Connaughton, right. Alan Crabb, uh, I don't know if Will Barton's Olshay, the Olshay era, but they've been actually pretty good at bringing these guys along slowly and having them turn into eventual contributors. So I think that's in that mold just with, like a little bit of a ramped up kind of like potential basically. Right. And I think that's important. And what we've outlined earlier in like in this podcast, and I think I've outlined it before is that those pieces are extremely important in creating these rotation players um, and development for future rotation players, because that saves you a ton of money instead of going out and paying for these guys um, like the, I don't know, like the Danny Green types, like where you need these wing guys that go for like 12 to 15 million dollars in today's NBA. If you're drafting them in the late first, early second round around that area, you get to save a ton of money and have them under team control. And they can be hugely valuable. Like while you rattled off all those players, they aren't star players by any means but they're rotation players like Connaughton was like a rotation player on an eastern conference finals team this yeah. year so like these guys have carve out little roles on their respective teams and then like it it really helps you save money in different areas and then go after things that you actually need especially and that's how like I feel 
these championship teams are built. Um, yeah. Right. And I wanted to echo something you said. I completely agree with yeah, everything yeah. you said. I actually thought you made a really, really good point before, and I just wanted to ec- probably no one cares about it but us, but we can put this on our future NBA front office reel. I thought what you said about second-round picks was interesting, and I'm just like, I think kind of a fascinating like story kind of would be like, how NBA front offices have thought about second round picks over the years because mm. I feel like it's I don't think they're like valuable necessarily. Yeah. But I think the way like they were just thought of like as like this like, oh, who cares? Like we can trade it. We can but like for a team like the Warriors or a team like maybe like the Houston Rockets. And like now the Lakers. The, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's interesting to think of them as a cheap source of players, basically. You know what I mean? Right. And if you need to fill out your roster, like the idea of like, we're going to take three second round picks and like, hopefully one of them is good enough to play for us. And like, but at the very least, you know, even if we're paying 3 million in cash considerations to, to get this pick or whatever, it's going to be cheaper for us in the long run. And I think it's just starting to come around where like that gamey aspect of it is kind of being seen by front offices yeah and i think a lot of teams are doing that a lot of people are reporting i think you get like 5.3 5.3 or 5.7 million dollars to acquire picks or basically buy buy second round picks so a lot of teams are kind of utilizing that in in their ability to do that but other than that i didn't have too much else about the nba draft and for for us i think like it's a good transition to kind of move on and talk about like the next phase of the NBA offseason, which is, I think, one of the most exciting parts of the NBA season in general is free agency. Yep. And free agency is going to be extremely fascinating, especially this year with all the top, top free agents that are available. And we've talked about KD and Clay being injured the the one guy that i feel like like we haven't really talked about but who was hugely important in that series was Kawhi Leonard and like yeah. whether or not like where he's going to go and now that KD and Clay are injured and probably won't be playing next year or if Clay ends up playing it's going to be f- in the playoffs possibly is that Kawhi Leonard has a chance to kind of swing the balance of the NBA in terms of, like, if he le- leaves Toronto for, let's say, a lot of the rumors are saying he's going to the Clippers. If he goes to the Clippers, he kind of makes them a an attractive team um, for other free agents to join and then also a possible title contender. And by that, by him leaving it hampers Toronto's ability to to repeat, obviously. And then it pretty much kills their chances. It kills their chances and then they probably go into rebuild mode and then one of Milwaukee, Philly, or it seems like Boston's kind of on the down slope as well. So it's it looks like it's gonna be Milwaukee or Philly that fills that void. So it 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 affects a ton of teams in terms of what his decision's going to be. And I feel like once that domino falls, there's going to be a lot of other transactions going quickly. Yeah, no, that I actually was very impressed. I think you laid that out very, very well. And uh, yeah, and just made the stakes of it really interesting. I mean, I wanted to just, I've actually said, and I still 
think it's true, and then you can come back and say whether you agree or not. I guess I think Kawhi's gonna go back to the to the Raptors. I'm gonna guess it's gonna be on like a short term deal. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs like a one plus one or something like yeah. that for the max. But that would be kind of my prediction if I was a betting man. And I think we've heard more and more kind of. It felt like even as we got into the finals, like things felt like maybe like 65, 35, like him going to the Clippers versus him staying. Mm -hmm. And now I think things are closer to 50, 50 or maybe slightly turning in, in the trend of Toronto. And I've always said, like, I just kept saying as he, they got to the finals, like if they win, the idea of him leaving just from a, just seems so unprecedented that I won't believe it until I see it. But I think he's staying. But I, I wanted to. But I did want to say, like, if you're the Clippers, like, you're, I mean, they already really wanted to get him. There were those stories about them having scouts at games and stuff like that, like basically being as explicit in their interest as any team has maybe ever been. But with the Warriors down, like, you're going fucking crazy to try and get, like, I can't, like, you're driving, <laughs> you're doing the old rumored story about Mark Cuban, like, driving by his house, like, or having the boom yeah. box outside, you know, yeah, outside yeah. like a like a John Hughes movie or whatever. Like you are desperate, I think, um, and it'll be interesting to see, especially if like the one. That's why I think the one plus one would kind of be kind of fascinating because it would kind of like possibly d like he could, could maybe have his cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. Like have one more shot at a title repeat and then go to the Clippers would be kind of interesting. Like. Yeah, we won. All right, I'll come back for one more year, kind of thing. And then, mm -hmm. like, if we lose, I'll leave. Like, that's kind of a interesting idea. And it's the NBA and health and stuff. That's certainly a risk, but it would just kind of be interesting. But then, like, for the Clippers, it seems like as much of a swing. You know what I mean? Like swing for the fences thing as anyone else, because if he doesn't come back, if he doesn't come, like. What what that team's not in a bad position, but what do they do? Like you know, you traded away Tobias Harris, and you have Gallo. I think still under. Do you do you have Gallo under contract for one more year? I th I think you do, but mm -hmm. uh yeah, you do. But um, you know, like yeah, whatever. I completely ran out of steam. No, no. Yeah, no all yeah. I was saying was if they don't get Kawhi, they're in a weird position. That's all I had to say. But given all of that, let me just bounce that all back to you. What yeah. what do you think is going to happen and what uh I guess what do you make of like the Clippers role? Well, like how are you feeling if you're the GM of Clippers right now? Like I think he does the 1 plus 1 that you're mentioning with Toronto, but I think he's also very intrigued by what like the clippers are offering like it doesn't seem like la is going to be or the lakers will be able to pull that off because like of their screw-ups with the cap space of the anthony davis trade and like them not being able to afford a yeah we didn't guy. even talk about that too much on our last well podcast, that could go that could be the bar rescue corner for, <laughs> for in like about five minutes once i talk about Kawhi. John but Taffer being like yelling, you know, wait, can I just do my yeah, little yeah, bit now? Okay. Like on Bar Rescue when they're like, they don't know their food costs <laughs> yeah. or like their whatever. It's how like, do how do much do you spend on food? And they're like, I don't know. And they're like, that's why you're failing. It's like, Rob Palinka, did you know that if you trade Anthony Davis on July 6th, you won't have Max Cat room? Yeah. Like, and it, it's, no. just, it's just like, it reminds me of like 
another TV show like Shark Tank where sure. like the the sharks always ask like the entrepreneurs like do you know your financials down cold and the 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 entrepreneurs like shaking and yeah. can't get it together and doesn't can't repeat their financials down and then you're just like all right this person does not know their product at all so kind of reminds me of that so yeah, it's it's just a Any, massive yes. Yeah, so anyway, the Lakers yeah. are not going to be able to get Kawhi Leonard. I don't think they were going to anyway. Right, right. But, but I, I mean, there's like a lot of rumors that it seems like Kawhi is going to go. But it it would just be hard for me to imagine that he's going to leave a situation like that where he just won a title with this team, and for him not to run it back would be would be really shocking. But on the other hand, devil's advocate, I think a lot of people were saying. Hey, Kawhi, you've won Toronto a title. It's not like they could be mad at you if you end up leaving because you actually won them the title. Yeah. Like we made that we had that conversation last week like you're probably getting a statue anyway. Yeah, so exactly. So it he's going to his free agency decision is going to affect a lot of things and I think it was kind of interesting your comments about the Clippers and where it leaves them for the future because that team won 48 games last year, which is, like, shocking to think about. But that team won 48 games and pushed the Warriors to six games, which is, like, kind of amazing to even just think about with all the, like, role type of players they have on their team. And you don't know, like, you don't know what to think about those players. Like, Lou Williams is obviously a really nice piece, but, like, it's just uh it's just like a weird Picasso yeah, no, like painting and where kind of yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Like and my question is just like if you whiff on him, do you go for more role players? Do you go for like a Chris Middleton? Mm-hmm. Or do you like try and kind of punt until next year? Yeah, and I think it's a that's a possibility, maybe hoping that Kawhi just signs with them next year with the one plus one so yeah we'll see about that i think the other big free agency uh move that a lot of people are kind of concerned or centered on is involving my team the brooklyn nets yep. with all the rumors that are going on with them possibly getting kyrie irving it's possibility is like like the lower end of things it's almost like a probability with the way people are talking about it and there's been reports that Kyrie didn't like living in Boston and that's part of the reason why he wants to leave Boston and um he wants to come home basically and come to Brooklyn and my thoughts are extremely conflicted on whether or not I want Kyrie on the nets because like and I think a lot of people are kind of posing this question to me because they know I'm, like, this huge Nets fan. And it's it's really hard because that team last year was so likable in the way that they played, and I'm just worried that Kyrie has kind of tanked two franchises in the past two years now. And it's it, it's just worrisome that he could, like, the third time, like, it happens, like it becomes a pattern. Yeah. So I kind of want them to just re-sign D'Angelo and run it back at hmm. this point. And I'm like, wor- like, I'm just thinking about the worst possible scenario of Kyrie just like injuring himself 
next year and playing 45 games and then D'Angelo kind of ascending to this whole nother level. But I don't know if, if you already know the, the, I guess, potential of Kyrie and like the shot that he made over Curry in 2016 and him being like one of these guys that you can trust in the finals. On the other hand, like during the regular season, is he going to be able to be this steady like locker room presence? Yeah. Without pushing his flat earther like <laughs> like like all these things that he ends up like doing to a locker room, I it it just makes me worried, especially with yeah. The good no, it is interesting. You made yeah. me just think of things I didn't really. I uh, I'm not stupid. I knew we talked last time about Kyrie, you know, possibly just being a locker room crazy guy. And I was just thinking about, like, if he goes to the Nets, it almost is like Celtics 2.0 in some ways, where it's like, you're going to be the veteran, like, and the rest of these guys are fairly young. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, and you're going to have the majority of the burden, but you're going to be also responsible for bringing your Karis Leverts of the world, you know, along and stuff like that. But um, at the same time, like, couldn't you, I, I also, I, I was going to make two arguments. One... You could argue the one thing we don't know about Kyrie is like, did the expectations put on him in Boston? Like, did that get to him to some extent? And I don't think that would be there with the Nets so much. Sure, it's mm -hmm. the New York market, but it's Brooklyn. It's not the Knicks. It's decide. There's just decidedly less. Yeah, of a, a cachet there. Boston also a notoriously difficult market to play in. Like, it would probably be e honestly. Since he played with LeBron, it would he would probably be given the biggest pass by the press, like yet mm -hmm. in in Brooklyn. So I think there's something to be considered there, and I just think the counterfactual. I the re I think re-signing D'Angelo Russell has ways it can go wrong too. Whether oh, yeah. it's him getting injured, him not ascending, him getting arrested, smoking uh. a J behind, you know. On Atlantic Avenue, like on that weird little, you know, when you're coming off the subway and walking around yep. and there's not <laughs> that much there, like him maybe, him maybe vaping or something. I don't know. No, but like, like I, and it, that's not fair. Like I like D'Angelo Russell. Like I'm not painting him as some sort of rap scallion, although he is a bit, he has been a bit of one at various points in his career. But like I think at the end of the day, to me, you, the risk reward like dictates that you should go for right, it. Right. Like, and I think that's point. I, I th think at the end of the day when you and who knows if you will or not, I was just looking up apparently some betting sites. Ka Ka Kawhi, uh, the Raptors are the favorite. They're minus two twenty five. And then you have uh the the Clippers not far behind at plus one seventy five. The Knicks are actually still the favorite or the Bavada's favorite for Kyrie and KD, so it is interesting mm. that that could still be on the table. But from the Nets' perspective, I, I just think it makes, like, it, it's too, I get that there's some risk there, but, like, it, you're, what you'd be giving up, necessarily, I just don't think is good enough. Because you're committing resources to D'Angelo Russell, you know what I mean? It's not like D'Angelo Russell on his current contract, right. and the ability to possibly get someone else versus Kyrie. No, I, I think that would be a different different story, but given that you'd be re-signing D'Angelo for almost a max, like I think, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good enough bump that you accept the risk. Yeah, and I think ultimately I came to that oh, conclusion where okay. I was just like, 
yeah, I'd probably just sign Kyrie. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. So and then connected to Kyrie, like Al Horford, like this whole Boston thing, yeah. like has been. It makes ba- no sense. It's basically torn down. But Al Horford's kind of been. He opts out of his thirty million dollar last year of his contract, and there's a lot of rumors going on that there's a possibility that he has like an offer out there that's like a hundred eleven million dollars or something like that. It's some like ridiculous uh four year offer out there floating from in the, the a team that rhymes with the malice Mavericks. Yeah. So like so like there's like a lot of rumors out there that he has that offer on the table basically like Wink, wink. Well, that's apparently that was the thing, like, just to talk about kind of how out of nowhere it was. Like, when he declined his option, you texted me and were like, ooh, Al Howerford declined his option. I was basically like, who cares? He's going he's yeah, to re-sign with Boston for, like, just a long-term, lower money, like, more years, less money kind of situation. But, I mean, that's obviously maybe what changed things because if him and his agent came back and said, like, well, we have this offer, maybe, and you're going to have to match it, like, yeah, Danny Ainge has to go. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and it leaves Boston, if, if, if things come to pass, in a fairly precarious situation. I mean, their time kind of passed them by. Like is that. all of his genius moves like you're pretty much back to square one? You have the the Grizzlies pick. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who are two good players. Are they all stars? We don't really know yet. But uh, yeah. yeah, Bill Simmons have a good time. You said you wanted Kyrie. You were gonna pack his bags and take him to the airport. And now uh, you have your favorite Jason Tatum, and you know that's it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have fun. Uh, have fun building that back up. Yeah, never wanted to trade. Did you him. see? Wait, could I say not to clown on BS too much? Okay. But did you see his tweet where he was like starting to like? It was like watching the seven stages of grief in real time, <laughs> and you get to bargaining. He's like, imagine if they got D'Angelo Russell and Stephen Adams. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, they would be like the five seed and the like the six seed in the East. Oh like, lord. Just watching the like the standards from like seventy two wins to like dude, Steven Adams would be sick. Just is is really funny to Yeah, me. yeah. No, no. In the grand scheme of things, it's just like hilarious because of like where the expectations were this year and then yeah. now it's like let's see if we can sign D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's funny that he's kind of like gone through all these stages and I was cracking up as you were sending me that and I don't know, it's just like this Boston team kind of they just missed their like everything hinged, I would say, on Kyrie and then yeah. even Gordon Hayward. Like that yeah. injury killed them. Yeah. Like the injury in the first game when everyone was excited about this team, it just killed like I think some of the plans of what Kyrie expected out of this team. Yeah. Yeah. And and then in turn, like once Horford I think saw that I think he's kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, like, it looks like Kyrie's leaving. I'm out of here, too. Well, like, if, especially if you do have an offer that pays you right, right. something close to the max, you, you, for sure. The one thing I wanted to point out just was, and this isn't uh, a novel idea, but just 
saying it on the record on our podcast. Like, if they screwed up somewhere, I think it was just in not going for Kawhi. I think that's the one move. Like, you made a good point. Like, it's you make that Kyrie trade again. You probably sign Gordon Hayward again. Like, yep. y- you can't fault them too, too much because at the end of the day, a lot of what happened was kind of out of their control. But I do think the one thing you have to look back on and be like, damn. Maybe we should have gone for Kawhi. Like, maybe we should have put whatever it took, Jalen Brown on the table or Tatum on the table to to try and get Kawhi. Because that, I think you look and you're like, that maybe could have been us yeah. raising the late raising the uh, Larry or OB. Even even thinking back to like Paul George, like yeah, no Paul George too. But like, it's less to me. Yeah, it's just yeah. less of a. I think Kawhi is the one that possibly put them over the top. Yeah, like Paul George is. Uh, like that's I didn't want to go down the road of recapping every move they could have made, but yeah, and yeah. you're right. I I get what you're saying. I just think Kawhi is the one that's sti- like the Paul George one is like okay. Like I think there's just more to be like. All right, I, the, you maybe couldn't put the right package together, but yeah. totally, totally, yeah. And I think that's like all of that's like in Boston's mind. But I think there's like. At the time, we had no idea what Kawhi yeah. was going to be, but hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah, like no. You're, but you're always thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, also, there's, like, other guys, like, that we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast, and I just kind of wanted to, like, get your thoughts quickly on them. Yeah, we can do some quick hitters. Like, Jimmy Butler. Like, I, I don't know what you get a sense of where he might be going. Like, I don't have a great read on the situation in terms of, like, whether or not... Elton Brand says he's going to try to bring all those guys back, like Tobias and Jimmy. No one's really talked about Jib- Tobias either. Right, um, right. I don't know why I've been, like, I think two slices of pizza, I have, like, car brain and can't <laughs> talk on this podcast. But um, Butler, like, I get the sense he's probably going back to Philly. That would probably be my guess if I were putting my money on it. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what are the other options even that, like, I think if one of these teams strikes out, like, with a ton of cap space, like, I could totally see him getting, like, a, t- a ton of money from... I, w- I wonder if, like, the Clippers are kind of, like... Maybe, but, like, that's the thing about them bringing both guys back, I think, is then it diminishes if one of those guys wants to, like, throw a max at him. Because then I think Philly throw... Like, they're probably going to sign to a max anyway, but, like... You would you? I'd rather go back to Philly probably than go to the Clippers if they strike out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Like I'd probably go unless back. he really wants to be the alpha. But it seems like as time went on, like he integrated better and better on that team. I would say. Well, and I think he got his opportunities as like yeah. the alpha, like because like I think in today's NBA, it's tough for like Joel Embiid to kind of create his own yeah. shot, and I think. Butler was the guy that was able to do that from the outside. And and another thing I think Elton Brand will say to Jimmy Butler in that pitch is like, listen, man, going forward, we're going to be resting Joel Embiid more. Like, we're going to be much more judicious with the rest going forward. And there are going to be 20 games during the year where, like, you get to go out there and be the the alpha. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe that's a, a good point. But in that case, I do wonder about... I think the chances of I would put like the chances at Butler going back to Philly at like seventy percent, mm-hmm. and I'd put the chances for Harris at like maybe forty five forty. But the question, like, it's just a weird question of like where where does he go if not if not Philly? I haven't really heard anything yeah. on that front. And then 
Kemba Walker, like there are a lot of rumors that he might join LeBron in LA. If Maybe L- I mean, can with, they get it, enough right, money? If like LA is able to get enough money and all that type of stuff, but for me, he, like all of the stuff that's coming out from that situation seems like he's willing to sign for less than the max with Charlotte. As long was he as saying less than the max or less than the super max? I think he was saying less than the super right, max. Right. So I, I think it was less than the super max, but more than what he would have gotten from like another team. Okay. So like I think like he would be willing to sign for like less than the super max, but it would still have to be more than what he would get from yeah. let's say like New York or yeah. LA or something yeah. like that. So and and He's a New York guy, so maybe he comes back home and goes to the Knicks. But like, like all the like, especially with the injuries, injury to KD, like there's just a lot of unpredictability in terms of like what the Knicks do. Like, all uh, the Knicks, even if they sign KD, uh, uh, um, someone not uh, Danny Larue brought this up on um, dunked on. Like the Knicks, even if they sign KD, if they just like they're going to be so bad next year. Oh, they're gonna like be even if they sign KD, like that'll be really just an interesting kind of dichotomy. Like if they signed KD, and it's like, yeah, and like there's all this buzz, and it's like your opening night starters for the New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> like and it's like Kevin, no, 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 no. It's like you know, like R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, oh like you know God. what I mean, Frank Nilakina, like and you know what I mean, yeah, like it's just just oh. that that like they're going to be rough even if they do sign KD, which is unless the KD Kyrie thing is is still on the table, which which I don't know, but. Yeah, like, I'm you know what I mean? That's the one thing that's tough about, like, free agency projection from our perspective because we're not actually insiders. So we can be like, yeah, it would be interesting if he went to this team. Like, yeah, he would be interesting if he went to this team. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there is just that measure of, like, what's feasible and what's not is not really something that we kind of can have any idea about. Right, right, totally. And it's like... It's just tough to project, like, who are these, where these players are going. Like, we can kind of, like, do the math and be like, oh, this this team opened up enough salary cap space for them to sign two max players. Like, the Nets have been kind of, like, doing slowly as we progress to free agency. But at the end of the day, we don't really know what the big conversations are going on in the league. Um, There's a couple other guys, like Chris Middleton, like, it seems like I he's, think he's going, going back. back to Milwaukee. Like I, if Milwaukee loses him, then it's going to start looking like that would be kind of it would be a tough blow for them. And then plus, I think like the Malcolm Brogdon thing, like like all the guys that they have to keep together. It seems like Brooke Lopez is gone because they won't be able to afford him. But like for them to ha- to potentially lose Middleton and or Brogdon would be really tough for like their rotation yeah it would be brogdon and i think is the one that's possibly on the chopping block like if a good enough offer comes along and at the very least that would kind of be a fascinating scenario if like say they re-sign middleton and then brogdon gets like a 20 million dollar offer sheet and like it's on that uh bucks 
uh, ownership to like see if they're going to spend or like be willing to maybe go into the luxury tax or something. I'm just not sure who that offer sheet's coming from. Like Boston, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, like if these teams, ma- that's the other thing that's hard to predict. Like. Or the thing that I think will be interesting, if we can, instead of me being like, we can't talk about this, but what I will, uh, a storyline I do think could be interesting, and you hit on it before, if more of these guys go back to their teams, as we thought, if Kawhi goes back, if KD goes back, which I've tried to raise on this podcast last week, that I think there's... it makes more sense for him to go back now than it did previously, so maybe that happens. And then just run it back next year. Yeah, if they, yeah, exactly. If um, so, let's say Kawhi. There's a world where Kawhi goes back, KD goes back, Kyrie goes to the Nets, Jimmy Butler goes back to Philly, Kemba goes back to Clay uh, goes back to Golden State. Then what yeah. happens is kind of interesting because that's when I think you have these weird scenarios in play, like. Brogdon getting a huge offer sheet, Middleton getting a huge, you know, Cousins. Oh yeah, being pl- like, d- where Demarcus Cousins ends up next year, who fucking knows? Vucevic, like, I think he probably goes back to the Magic. Now I'm just scrolling down. Bogdan, Bojan Bogdanovic, like, you know, shit like that. Then you kind of get into like, like, overpay territory for those guys, and that's kind of where things start to get really fun too. I think. So I think no matter what, like, we're in for something, whether it's, like, whether we do get the unprecedented player movement, which will be fun in and of its own right, but, like, there's so much money out there that, like, you know, there's going to be stuff to talk about no matter what. Yeah, and there's, like, so many of these, like, other guys that are, like... One guy that we didn't even bring up was Harrison Barnes. He opts out of his deal that paid twenty. Yeah, that was mi- pretty interesting. Like, and maybe he has something out. He has some feelers out there from a team where he's going to get some hundred million dollar deal from, from God, somewhere. Who is doing that? I have no idea. Yeah, unless I, it's the Kings yeah, re-signing him for yeah, more. And, and but they have a ton of cap space yeah. open. It and then Willie Cauley Stein to. Uh, agent talked about maybe it's time for him to move on. So hmm. I don't. Yeah, there's well, who's like, that offer coming? I yeah, I'm not exactly sure. And then yeah, so there's like all these guys. I'm scrolling through the list of guys <laughs> like Ricky Rubio is gonna try to figure. Hey. And we didn't talk about the Conley. Oh, uh, uh, we didn't. Did yeah. we talk about the Conley trade? I I'm trying to think. I, I don't, don't. Yeah, we didn't. I talk don't think about so. It. So like like Ricky Rubio, he needs to find himself another spot because Conley gets traded last week um, before the draft um, from Memphis to Utah. So that kind of like, I, I think, and a lot of people like Zach Lowe were saying that Utah is clearly like one of these title contenders because goal of Golden State's injuries. And I, I, I guess I want to pick your brain on that a little bit. Yeah, too. we talked about it over text, so I think I can just rehash that because I think I made some good points. Um I just said that I I agree that I guess it puts them solidly in the mix now. There are going to be a lot of teams in the mix, Mm -hmm. you know, be it the Lakers, what have you. The one thing I wanted to say is, like, listen, especially with Conley, like, it's not a given that you're going to get him for the full season, and that's where I could possibly see things going awry. But it's certainly a move that I think you do make. They paid a fairly steep price to first-rounders and then those kind of other tossing guys. 
and they still have a little bit of space. Like it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in power forward. Do they bring back favors or do they try and get your, I don't know, a Damari Carroll or a Harrison Barnes or or whoever? Like you know what I mean? What do you try and do at the four? Is kind of a an interesting question. But I yeah, but I I like it in theory for them. Would I pick them to win the West? No. I don't know. We'll see where it'll be interesting. There'll be a team that could be as high as like, depending on what happens, like they could be as high as two when we do that, like preview drafting the teams kind of thing, the West drafting those teams. It depends what happens, but like, that's going to be an absolute shit show compared to most years. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Justin, it's the difficulty to predict it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That was kind of all I was feeling. What What did you What do you th- think? I mean, I think it's gonna be a really good fit for Utah. I I think a lot yeah, of people I were agree. kind of um, panning the deal as like a really good deal for Utah, even though they gave up like those two first rounders and all that type of stuff. But I think it creates it. It gives them another creator taking off the some dribble. of the load off off Mitchell especially as you get towards playoff time right. I think that is pretty invaluable yeah and it just gives them another guy that can create off the dribble and that's going to be really and another playmaker that they can kind of give the ball to when teams are keying in on Mitchell and teams won't be able to do that as much because of how like crafty Conley is and for like his improvement in terms of shooting um, the ball from the outside in comparison to what Rubio provide provided for them as a team. So, I mean, I think it overall, it's going to be a really good move for them. And I wonder like what, what players they can get. And like the Derek favors thing that you were talking about before, by the way, I think Rubio is definitely going to Indiana. That would be my, yeah. That, you know, we'll call that the Ray lock of the, of the of free agency, Ricky Rubio will sign with the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, and I mean Indiana <laughs> was kind of like in the talks for Conley as yeah. well. So like they're in need of a point guard to get you know get someone right next to Oladipo. Especially, back. especially uh, I don't know if you read this, but like Oladipo's, they think he's going to come back later than expected. Than expected, yeah, he might not be back until like early 2020 or something like interesting. that interesting okay so if so you kind of really want a point guard who's going to be able to like run the office and run the offense in the interim so yeah yeah i mean that and that's like another guy that i think like there's a lot of point guard in flux with or like all the point guards are trying to like figure out their homes especially with i don't know like once the Kyrie domino falls, then D'Angelo kind of goes somewhere else. Then, like, I mean, D'Angelo has been rumored to all these different places. Yeah, that, because That's people are be- people are expecting Kyrie to go to go to the Nets. So, so I guess the re-signing D'Lo after Kyrie. I mean, it would, the table. Just, it would be a terrible basketball fit. What would their cap situation look like though if they like if they sign Kyrie like? What would they have to do to get another max player? Do you have any I mean, they conceptions would ha- they w- of that, basically? So, like, they would re-sign Kyrie. They would have to renounce uh, the rights to uh, D'Angelo, which would open up nearly a third, like a, a second max spot. I think it would open up, like, t- to $33 million or so. And then, like, that that idea was to kind of 
sign KD, hopefully. So, um, but okay, let's pretend that's not happening. If you're the Nets, like, what about, like, Tobias Harris or somebody like that? Do you go for that, like, second-tier type guy or a Jimmy? You've never been a fan of Jimmy Butler, so I was trying to think of, like, for them, I mean. But I think Harris could make sense. Yeah, I think Harris... For, for a four, like, the four is kind of their only other, like... Yeah, I think spot that doesn't have like a good young guy. Yeah, I think it. it could kind of make sense if Harris signed there. I don't know if that really moves the needle and puts them like over the top. But they're top, not going to be over. But they're not going to be over the top, right? Anyway, right. And what do you do with that cap? Like Sean Marks is smart. Like maybe you just sign one year deals or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think once you sign Kyrie, if you don't sign someone else this off season. Like, it's going to come via trade. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you want to keep cap space open for a trade, which actually probably makes more sense as I'm talking about it more and more. But mm-hmm. it's a gamble. And remember, they gave up some stuff in the Allen Crab trade to, like, open up right, right, s- that much space and have a chance for that flexibility. And we've just seen with Boston that sometimes uh, waiting to cash in your chips uh, – doesn't work out so. yeah totally yeah that and i think that's where hopefully they're able to r- make the right moves and pounce like do you okay for portland they're kind of on the other side of this back yeah. spectrum so yeah and like i did want to transition to them because they are your team so like you i have the i have the portland uh trailblazers expert with me what i mean they have very limited moves that they can make, especially with their cap situation, and they're not flushed with cap space like the Nets are, like Sacramento Kings are, where they can kind of pursue one of these bigger guys. Like, I mean, what are what can you kind of expect from them? Yeah, I don't think very much, honestly. I sent you that tweet uh, a few weeks ago, or like a week ago or so, and it was uh, Pinwheel Empire, which is this blazer... Um, kind of fan site and they did this poll of like what how confident are you that the blazers will upgrade at the three or four and like most fan bases like you're pretty uh, i feel like optimistic optimistic about that and like it was like 80 percent of people at like not confident at all yeah and i think that's just what we've come to learn like what we've come to expect from Olshay at this point and there was a point where it bothered me but it really doesn't anymore and I think uh, we talk. Uh, we mentioned the Kent Bazemore trade earlier. Bazemore, basically Kent Bazemore, a big, massive expiring contract, and Evan Turner, a big, massive expiring contract, got traded for each other straight up. I think that forecloses any possibility of them dumping cap space, like attaching picks to Myers Leonard or Evan Turner. Like I don't think that's going to happen anymore, which means they really can't sign anybody. I think there's a possibility that even despite that, they move on from Alfred Camino and like resign somebody cheaper, a la maybe Damari Carroll mm-hmm. is someone I'd be looking at. If they go even cheaper than that, I'd be looking at like a Rondé Hollis Jefferson type, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, like that they're Nets, not gonna that Nets uh the Nets Blazers connection yes, is strong. it is very real, but um. I'm not expecting that much, to be honest with you. And I've said, like, I don't mind it that much. I think next summer is going to be the move. Mm. Or maybe this year, maybe a Kevin Love trade comes up. You know, the people mention Kevin Love with the Blazers so much. The thing is, and it's partially Neil O'Shea's fault, and this has come up on the podcast before. Like, I don't think anyone finds it interesting except you. But, like, 
it is this weird thing of like he dug himself into the situation they're in now, but it's hard to maneuver out of and like all you can do to some extent is try and hit singles. And I think for this year at least, that's what they do here. I think Hood is probably gone now. And I think we'll see what happens with Dennis Canner, who seemed to love being a blazer a lot. Like, is he willing to take a pay cut to come back? If he is, I think you probably bring him back. If not, you just go with some some minimum guy just to flesh things out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just like um, one of those things where um, I, I just think it's one of those things where, like you're saying, O'Shea kind of put them in this situation and they just had to wait it out. Yeah. Or they have to kind of like take these like contracts on for expi- like these ex- expiring deals. Yeah. And I don't think they're willing to do that at it's this point. Po- yeah. With them so close to... Um, I I guess with them so close to these, uh, the Evan Turner deal now the Kent Bazemore deal expiring and then like all these guys and then the Myers Leonard contract coming like off it, the books yeah. like I don't it is see interesting them. like maybe does Cleveland get really desperate to dump Kevin Love where like they would take on like a it, lot of that expiring, expiring money yeah. and maybe like a first rounder you throw in like Collins or something that would be interesting and I don't know if Olshay would do it. But anyway, to to wrap up your question in a boring way, I think free agency ain't it. Like, I think there could be stuff on the horizon for them. But in terms of what I'm expecting from free agency, I, I think it's going to be kind of same old, same old, minimal bargain basement fines and some re-signings with what happens with Aminu being the biggest question. Right. And so I guess that kind of really caps everything off. Yeah. And overall... I'm just excited because next time or next time we like yeah. meet up, we're gonna be talking about all the guys that signed everywhere, yeah. and hopefully there's some craziness that happens. Hey, so it shocks the, the NBA. There's always craziness. I mean, I would say the draft. There was some craziness. You know, yeah. There's been some trade craziness, and so I really hope it shocks us and we talk about some like random ass move <laughs> where like maybe the Nets get KD and maybe, Kyrie and ma- I'm just talking it into existence. Maybe the Blazers like, get KD. Ball. Yeah, yeah, I'm just talking <laughs> Blazers getting KD. Like all yeah, like I'm just hoping like something crazy happens and and it'll be fun to cover because that's why I love the NBA. Yeah, and I think that'll be like we did. I think we had a, a fun talking about the draft, the draft, and trying to talk about like project what happens in free agency. But my favorite thing to do, I think that's kind of why we started doing this podcast, was like kind of that backseat GM side of it and breaking down deals and kind of mm-hmm. the way these teams go about constructing themselves and that's kind of what i was trying to say earlier like with so many teams with cap room we'll have i think no matter what happens a wide spectrum of things big to small to talk about and you know break down so i'm looking forward to that so listeners just be on the lookout for ricky rubio going to indian indian so can you give me your lock do you want to give me your lock of the my lock yeah hmm Let's see. Oh, man. Putting me on the spot here. I think my I think my lock is that Malcolm Brogdon's going to get a ton of money. Okay. Like, a lot more so money. So he's going to get an offer, like a big offer sheet. I think he's going to get a bigger offer sheet than a lot of people, like a lot more people 
Yeah. Like they're I like that. I like that. Because he provides a lot of things that a lot of teams in the in the NBA really like. He provides a lot of good shooting. He can defend. Like he was impressive in what he did kind of trying to stop Kawhi in that series. And then he although he got injured like this past year, he's provided like decent ball ha- handling for his size can defend and shoot the three so i think he gets like a really surprising deal like closer to 100 million than 50 million Alrighty. So, so i think that's definitely a definite possibility i like uh, it yeah so other than that just want to say to the audience thanks again for listening and me and Andrew will be back probably sometime next week or in about two weeks when like all the free agency craziness kind of dies down and then we could kind of have some meat on the bones to talk about which player signed where and uh, he'll be back for that. And I've been trying to get Hedjun to come back on the podcast because ever since you booted him from the name. Yeah, I guess maybe he's a little salty, but I think there are a ton of soccer things that are really interesting going on right now. Um, Like, Frank Lampard is the manager of Chelsea. Eden Hazard leaving Chelsea to go to Real Madrid. Like there's rumors that Neymar is going back to Barcelona. The Gold Cup is happening. The um the uh what's it called? I'm I'm blanking now, but there the South American like tournament. There's this tournament. Hmm, no mention of the Women's World Cup. And Sexist. And <laughs> I was gonna say. The U.S. women's national team had a very exciting win, and I did tune in today. That's um, good. My mom is a big yeah, yeah. is a big women's World Cup fan. So, I enjoy watching right, as well. So. I did tune in to the game against Spain, and they did look a little shaky. Yeah, today. I I know there was some VAR stuff. Yeah, but they uh, looked a little shaky. Uh, Megan Rapino ended up scoring two goals uh, from the PK spot. Um, and Spain gave the U.S. a little bit more than expected. So, and and the the U.S. France game in the quarterfinals that's going to be a fascinating yeah. game because those are two pre-tournament favorites, especially meeting this early on. And um, yeah, I think it kind of it's it's an interesting tournament because the U.S. ends up like. I think there's a lot of things about what it says about U.S. women's soccer and, like, the dominance they've had over the sport and that there's a ton of teams catching up now and they just they can't just show up and expect to win anymore. And Unless it's against Thailand. <laughs> yeah, exactly, against Thailand, which I felt so bad for. Just And I was kind of just thinking, like, man, 13-0, to like, they couldn't stop at, like, six seven like i don't even want to go down this rabbit hole yeah yeah. so yeah it was yeah that was kind of ugly to watch but that'll be fun to kind of break down and then all the all the transfer news that is ending i'm still riding high from the liverpool champions league sure so as you should i'm very excited about that so at least one of my teams have won this year so thanks again, guys, for listening. I'll have Hedgen probably back on this coming week, and then I'll have Andrew back on in about a week and a half, two weeks or so. 
uh, to talk about all the NBA free agency news. And we're kind of getting in like the dog days of sports. Like not much is happening yeah. unless you want to talk. Who, about is it going to be like you and your brothers talking about the you and your brother talking about the Yankees or uh, something? Uh, I no, don't know. he's not a baseball no. guy. So maybe me and you could talk about the Brewers or mm, the Brew Crew. Uh, I'll pass. Literally, <laughs> I would rather be doing like summer league breakdowns. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about summer league and t- <laughs> stuff like that. But I mean, there there's not much sports happening once like the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup. They're done. So, like, there's not much sports yeah. that are going on right now other than baseball. And I don't know how exciting baseball is to talk about anymore. The Yankees are doing okay, but, eh. Like, yeah. I'm not really concerned with baseball until it gets to, like, late September. So, <laughs> who knows what ends up happening there. I mean, I don't know. I Maybe I could get a baseball guy on. No, I was kidding. Maybe me and you will do something. We'll finally try and do one of our, not to keep this, this outro has been going on for 10 minutes. Yeah, now, yeah. But know, maybe seriously. we'll try and do one of our, like, concept. I don't know who it's for, but maybe we'll try and do something conceptual about the CBA or something so, like that at right. some point. I know you've always wanted to do that, so I maybe think we can make that happen at some point. I think that's, like, one of the things that we might try to do. That'll be fun, like to like break down the cba go through it and see like like as as potential lawyers is to see like maybe where some of the more interesting parts of the and intricacies of the cba can kind of be maybe exploited or are things that are a lot more interesting to us than maybe the average fan really cares to know about so thanks again for listening to that long ass intro or to that long ass outro and um i hope you guys listen subscribe like the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you guys listen so thanks again thanks andrew for coming back on my pleasure and yeah we'll see you next week